0: Good morning, you guys awake? Okay, because we're gonna talk about rest, all right. It's good to have you guys, so I'm glad you're here with us today. This last week, I was in a meeting that was designed to plan this message. We have a teaching team, right? So all of our sermons and, and messages that get crafted uh, are all crafted by a group of people, so nobody does that in isolation. And um, we were meeting to talk about this very message because it was this week, and, and so I was working through it. And on occasion, we have differences of opinions or people have different cares in there and people were trying to vocalize those different things. And Stacy had something that was really important to her and she was trying to convey it to me. She wanted me to see this. Uh, And it was just a general care about how to relate with you all and other people and convey passages out of Genesis that we've been working through, different stuff. And for whatever reason, at that particular point in time, I just didn't agree with it or see it or recognize her care or whatever that moment was. And so in that particular instance, and this is my peer, this is a person I respect, I just was like, no, and then continued talking and I just kind of shut it down. Have you ever had that moment where somebody shut you down like that? It's not fun, is it? And all of a sudden the conversation is just like, well, okay, like we're just going to move in a different direction and it gets weird and I feel that. It's like a little electric shock or something where you're just like, oh, I don't like that that happens, but I don't know what we're doing and we're still talking about this and I'm not going to think about it yet and I'm driving home. This is usually when these moments occur for me. I'm driving home and I'm just like, I don't feel right about that. Something in that moment, I don't, I don't like who I was or, or how I was or I need to wrestle with something here. Do you ever have that moment where... I don't know, a normal version of you, like the best version of you knows what to do. It would have showed up. You wouldn't even have had to think about it. This is how you would operate. This is how you, what you would say. But that's not who showed up. And some other version of you happened at that particular point in time. Maybe you were tired. Maybe you're fatigued. Maybe something happened. But instead you were short or you were unkind or you just shut something down or you didn't care to like explore or listen. And, and you get it and you see it maybe a little bit later and then you're left going, what do I do with that? That was me this last week. So I came into work the next day. And I walked into her office and I said, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? And she said, Sure. And I said, Hey, yesterday in the teaching meeting, you were trying to express something that was really important to you. And I think I shut you down twice. In fact, I know I did, and that's not okay. And I'm really sorry. And I just wanted you to know that. And I'm gonna work on that. And that's what I told her. And she looked at me and she said, Hey, thank you. And then she said, and then she kind of shrugged her shoulders in like classic Stacey fashion, shrugged her shoulders and she goes, I just found myself thinking, man, that guy needs a vacation. And she told this to me, and I'm standing in her doorway, just kind of like smiling and nodding. I didn't really know what to say because she was right. I had been really, really tired. I was just kind of fatigued and exhausted, and that is exactly what happened. You see, friends, when you're tired, you will struggle to have the best of who you are be the person that shows up to your life. This is important because I want you to hear this. When you're tired, You are going to struggle to have the best of who you are be the person that actually shows up to your life. Somebody once told me that you should pay attention to people when they're most stressed because that's when the truth comes out. Can I just tell you that doesn't match modern day science or any of these different things. When we're stressed, the worst of us comes out. Not the best of us, not the most honest part of who we are. The worst of us, the adaptive, the crazy, all the things. That's what comes out. If you are tired, right, you're gonna struggle to bring the best of who you are to your life. And here's what's gonna happen. You're going to go, well, I'm going to step into this moment and instead someone who looks just like you but is really easily irritated and frustrated is going to run the show in that particular instance. Or maybe that's not how you roll. (laughs) Maybe it's a little different for you. Instead, maybe it'll be someone who looks just like you but instead is distant and withdrawn or removed even from the people that you care about that you don't even want to be distant from. You want to be in the mix with these people but you find... You just kind of start to cut yourself off in this regard, right? And you're like, that's not me, but it is in that moment. Or maybe for you, it's someone who looks like you, who sounds like you, but internally you're all amped up and you find that your eyes could water up at any point in time. Your voice starts to quiver. There's all of this emotion in here and it's starting to come out and you don't even know the reason for it all the time. Sometimes in the most nonsensical of moments, but it's because you're just exhausted, and you've been managing this and you don't know what to do with any of it at this particular point in time, and that's who shows up to your life in the moments that matter, in the moments that count. And I want to talk about this this morning. You see, rest is way too important for us to not talk about it. Our lives and the people that are in them and the people that we care about are way too important for us to settle for being stressed and ignore what it means to find rest. It's the truth. See, I'm not trying to have an eat your vegetables talk. You guys wouldn't care. You wouldn't if I was just like, you know what you need to do? Go get some rest, enjoy your life, eat your vegetables. You'd be like, thanks chief. I promise you'd walk out of here, you'd be like, thanks for the message. It wouldn't do anything. And I know that. Here's the thing. I'm not trying to just say, hey, go be a better human. What I'm trying to get at is you have people in your life that you care about. I promise you, you want good things for these people. You have endeavors in your life that matter to you, that you care about, and you're invested in these things. And if you want the best of who you are to show up to those moments, you're going to have to wrestle with what it means to find rest. It's just true for all of us. And that's what makes it really important for us to talk about. Can I be honest with you, though? I'm not good at rest. I don't know if you've picked up on this about me or not. I'm not very good at it. I, and I know that's weird because it just seems like a thing we should be good at. It, it does. Like, I, you know, we're all born as babies and they're killing it. Like, they're resting so good. They are. There's a part where I look at that and I'm just like, they're doing fantastic. Nobody had to teach them. And now I'm like, is there a class on rest? Is there something I can learn? Is there something? I'm like using words like wrestle and engage to try to figure out rest. I'm not very very good at it all the time. I share this with you because statistically, most of you in this room aren't either, if the stats hold true. You know, in the United States of America, we're not very good at resting. There's more and more research that's out and about about all of this, and just struggling to pause, struggling to actually find a place of rest. There's a frenetic kind of movement, whether it's around us or within us on a constant basis. And we struggle with this idea of rest. It's something that's kind of tough. You know, for me, it's because, well, I like my family, I like my friends, and I like my job. So why would I want to rest from any of that? That's honestly kind of how this works for me a little bit. You might be a little different. I think that ideas are fun, and I think problems are actually interesting. And so I love getting into moments where I get to work with things and people and try to bring the best of human beings out and, and engage with stuff and solve complex moments like I, and work through it. I love that. I think that's fun. Some of you are like, that sounds exhausting. For me, it's not. I, I think it's great. I also love people. And the reality of people is there's a lot of people. And there's, that means there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of moments to celebrate with people. There's a lot of hurts to walk through. There's a lot of issues to, to deal with. There's a lot of moments just to be there and in the mix with different people. And, and I love people. Why would I want to take a break from all of that? You know, I love God too. I actually have a job. This might be lost on you. It's not on me. I actually have a job where I get like paid to talk about a God who loves you unconditionally, loves each and every one of us unconditionally and has grace upon grace upon grace for each of our lives and wants to meet you right where you are, as you are, I actually get paid to talk about that. That's a pretty sweet gig. It is. I I love that. Like, that's pretty cool. Why would I want to take a break from any of this? I like the people in my life. I like my job. I like the things I do. Why would I want to rest from any of that? Maybe you identify with that. Maybe you don't. But here's what I think many of us will identify sometime with. So sometimes I have this feeling, and I think a lot of us have this feeling, like rest means I'm either stepping back from the things that matter to me, and so that's not okay, or like I'm letting people in my life down by stepping back, and I feel guilty about those things, and that's not okay. And so consequently, you just keep going. Like you don't rest, you engage, you engage, you engage, you stay in it, you stay with it. And it's difficult. I think there's no wonder that many of us have a difficulty with rest. Have you ever had someone in your life stop you and go, hey, they stopped you in your tracks and are just like, hey, you need to take a break or you need to take a vacation or you need to get some rest. And that moment shocked you and you were like, do I though? And everyone around you was like, yes, yes, you do, right? Everyone else knew it, you didn't. You ever had that moment? It catches you off guard. Have you ever had a moment where someone told you, I think you need to get some rest. I think you're worn out. And they meant it in a way where they were trying to care about you because, you know, this was like out of genuine care and concern, but instead for you, that moment you felt unseen and you were like, you're telling me to take a break, but if you knew all the things that I'm walking through, the stuff that I'm wrestling with, the pieces and and things in my life and all this, like I feel like you don't even get me right now. I just don't feel seen. And they meant it as something kind and good and it was actually frustrating for you. Because we struggle with this. How many of you, don't raise your hands, have ever found yourself in this moment again and again where you keep saying this one phrase, it's just a season, right? I'm just in a season. So many of you just looked at each other right now. I saw that, right? We're just a season of time. And then when I get on the other side of this season or when I just get through this and then you pause and you have this weird moment or maybe right now is about to be your weird moment where you realize I've been saying that for months. Some of you are like, I've been saying that for years. Friends, that's not a season. That's just your life. It's what that moment is. You're like, I just need to not have my life. But you do right? Some of us are always like, when I get through this season, and then you create another season after that season, another season after that season. You're like the season creator. And you're tired, but you don't know how to stop. Like, you don't know where rest is to be found. It's hard. When you are tired, when you are stressed, when you're exhausted, it tends to be the worst of you that shows up to the most important moments, to the most important people in our lives. And that's why we need to talk about rest. And if you're like me and you struggle with the idea of rest or you struggle just how to engage with it somehow and you're not very good at it, here's what happens over time if you don't wrestle with this. The treadmill that you're on begins to stretch out like a road that does not end in front of you and it's like all of your life starts to become a little more gray. And eventually the inevitable result is that you get to a place where you are either so fatigued that you just want to lay face down on the concrete or you explode and everyone else gets hit by the shrapnel of your life. And I I know if I were to ask you like, is that your preferred outcome? Everyone in the room's like, no, nobody's like, sign me up for that. I want a plane ticket to that destination. That's where we're, no, nobody wants that. And yet we struggle with this. We don't talk about this. We don't wrestle with this. We need to talk about rest. And so, We're going to talk about it today. I want you to go through to the very beginning of your Bibles. You know, each week in this series, we're looking at Genesis, the opening chapters of Genesis. And you might be finding yourself going, well, why are we talking about Genesis when it comes to this idea of rest, of all the places that we could talk about? Genesis chapters 1 through 3 especially are really, really important part of your Bibles. And the reason why, if you haven't thought about this, this is important. The reason why they're so important is because you get this glimpse into what God wants when he's left to freely create and make and do and express. Nothing's been messed up. Nothing's been crazy. There's no chaos. There's no additional story that's been warped or twisted or mixed. You just get to see who this God of the universe is, the kind of relationship he wants with human beings, how he views them, how he wants us to engage. You get to see a bunch of stuff packed into this small little piece and that's the genuine heart of God. That's him creating at his best. He looks and he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. And so you can take it to the bank. Now, what's interesting about this is this has a bunch of implications in Genesis chapter one and two. And the next week, we're gonna talk about chapter three. unrest on what it means to find rest, uh, and they're so important for us today. So my hope for us, as we continue to look at Genesis chapter 1 here, as is, is we're looking through these chapters, is that today we would see that in Genesis 1 and 2, God shows us how to find rest from what we do, and also some insight into how to find rest in what we do. Right. That's where we're headed today, so I just wanted to share that with you. We're going to dive in. Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read the very first verse in your entire Bible, right? The very first verse in the Scriptures. We're going to read through verse 5. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was, was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. This is this illustration of purposelessness, chaos, nothing coming together. And then the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. So God gets to work right off the bat, right? Genesis chapter 1, God starts by creating. We get to see the very first moment where work occurs in all the scriptures. And the being that we get to see do the work is actually God. So we have this amazing moment and this amazing model that we get to watch through this entire process. He gets to work and he begins this process of creation. We talked a little bit, Glenn talked a little bit about this last week. The first three days of creation, God does a lot of what's called separating. That's what you see where essentially if everything's formless and chaotic he goes let's let's separate it out so each thing is purposeful and distinct and unique, and each environment is specific because he has specific desires and purpose. This flew in the face of almost every creation narrative that existed at that time where the world was formed out of chaos and conflict from the gods. This is a singular God looking and saying, I have plans and desires, and I want to breathe purpose and potential and distinctness into the beauty of this world. And so first three days of creation and what you see in this Hebrew creation poem... What you see here is, is God separating and making these distinct environments. And then in the last three days, what you see is God filling those environments where he's, he's placing birds and, and livestock and, and plants and different things in the environments that were distinctly made and created for them. And he does this work along the way. And in day six, he concludes this. We finally come to the end of the creation story. The sixth day, Genesis 131, and it says this. And God saw everything that he had made and behold. So God pauses and he beholds. Think about that. And he says, It was very good. Not just good, very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So think of this: God finishes the work of creation. He surveys all that he made and he says, it is very good. If you've ever looked around at the world around you as far as creation and all these things go and you're like, man, it's just not great. God seems to disagree with you, right? He says, no, this whole thing, it's good. I made it this way. This is how I've created it. The chapter ends and then Genesis 2 opens on the seventh day and we read something that I think is bizarre. I know you probably weren't expecting that, but I do. I think it's interesting. I think it's bizarre. And I want to explore it with you today. Genesis 2 opens on the seventh day, and here's what it says. Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he, here's what I think is bizarre. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Think about what we just read here. God is done with creation, right? It says he finished his work, more or less. It's completed and it's good. And he says, it's very good. It's clear about all of that. And then it says something nonsensical. And maybe if you don't see it, it's because you're thinking like a human being where you just look and you're like, yeah, God God worked a bunch. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna take a breather. I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna rest. Because you're thinking of it like us. But if you think about this, this is bizarre. God gets to the seventh day and it says, and he chose to rest From his work. He rested from his work. Can I ask you a question? Why did God rest? Think about that. Was he tired? Did he run out of gas? Think about this. This is why this is bizarre. If you really think about him resting on the seventh day. Did did he run out of creative energy? And he's like, I really put a lot into that. And I'm going to need to refuel this tank before I step into the next endeavor. Was he like, I just need to take a breather. Six days was a bit much. I can't go a full seven. Right? Why did God rest? See, this is weird, isn't it? There's something in this that I found myself wrestling with over time, just trying to go, I don't understand why God rested on the seventh day. You know what makes this confusing? We believe that God is the word omnipotent. It's a theological word that means all-powerful. Essentially, you have the original being who is the source of all energy, all creation, all things. He is not like us human beings. We have like a limited bucket, right? When our bucket of energy runs out, we need to refill it. For God, we look and he go, no, he's like this infinite potential, this endless source of all the energy and all the things. So he doesn't run out of that. He is that which sustains all of it all of the time. Why did God rest on the seventh day? And, and I wrestled with this for a really long time, just confused and going, that's weird. I don't quite get it. And then I found some insight into this in Jesus' words in Mark chapter 2. So Jesus, the Son of God, actually speaks to this, right? Jesus, God in the flesh, sheds some light on this in Mark chapter 2. So I know we're in Genesis, but I want you to jump there so that you can see an answer to this question that I'm proposing or that we're wrestling with here today. Mark chapter 2, verse 23, says this. One Sabbath, if you don't know what that is, that's the seventh day of the week that they rested from. Why? Because rested from work. Why? Because God rested on the seventh day all the way back in creation and then he says i want you to continue to do this for yourselves and so on one sabbath he being jesus was going through the grain fields and as they made their way his disciples began to pluck heads of grain so they're walking along and they're just plucking the heads of grain off the wheat field as they walk and the pharisees were saying to them pharisees were religious leaders he says look why are they doing what is not lawful on the sabbath and he being jesus said to them have you never read what david did when he was in need and was hungry And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he also gave it to those who were with him. Which is, this is just a moment where Jesus is quoting something from the Old Testament, going, This isn't the first time somebody's done this, and everybody was fine with it then. Chill, more or less. Abbreviated version. And then, verse 27, this is what's so pertinent for us today. It says, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man, referring to himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. So let me explain. So because God rested on the seventh day in all of creation, there's this thing that he did. Why did he do it? Well, everybody be like, I don't know. Because God said so. And for a really long time, people were simply resting on the Sabbath because God said so. This is just how it is. This is what he does. How many of you found yourself growing up, you hate the phrase, because I said so? Like when your parents would say that to you, a part of you would just cringe, and you're just like, yeah, but why? And they're like, because I said so, which really just meant they were exhausted and didn't want to argue with you anymore. Do you remember that? Yeah. I've always had a really hard time with because I said so moments, even with God. There's always a part of me that struggles with just going, but what is the wisdom in it? What's the, the reason? What's the thing he has for us to understand and wrestle with here? Why, why this for humans? And essentially, Jesus is walking through, and and his disciples are on the Sabbath, the day you're supposed to rest, and they're picking heads of grain. When you're picking heads of grain, it was considered to be harvesting, which was considered to be farming, which was considered to be work. So they're breaking the law by working on the day that you're supposed to rest. And the religious leaders look at them and go, Why are you working right now? And you're a religious leader. Shouldn't you be teaching your disciples differently? They shouldn't be doing any of this. And Jesus looks at them and is like, Man, chill out. This isn't the first time this moment has happened, and we were okay with it then. And then he says, but man wasn't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man, right? And then Jesus says, and by the way, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I was there when this whole thing was created. I'm over it. So just know that this is true and okay. And he, he does this. I, I could unpack this a little bit further. I'm going to jump to the point. Some of you are going, what's happening? Jesus is telling us that when God rests on the seventh day, that he didn't rest because he needed it. He rested for us because we needed it. Do you see this? Here's why. Because we are made in his image. You know what that means? That means that we have endeavors and heart and we create and we want to go out and do great and good and things in this world around us. We have important work and all of these things, but we are not omnipotent like God. We are limited resources who eventually run out of energy. And I think God in his creation knew that from the very beginning, as he models for the very first time, what work would ultimately look like. He says, and when you work, know that it is perfectly okay to pause and find rest. Which is hard for us to wrap our heads around sometimes. The Sabbath was created for us, to bless us because God wants to care for us, not because he's God and simply said, I did this, so arbitrarily you should obey me and it'll be good for you and just trust me, right? No, it's created with great intention and purpose. He didn't need it, we do. He's God, he rested so that we could follow him in this. Not only does God rest on the seventh day, he does two things here. It says he blesses it, which is weird. If you look at blessing, whenever God blesses something, it's almost always in a moment in the Bible where it's to people or a nation. Sometimes it's like to crops or animals or something like that, right? When he blesses these things, it's almost always there. Here he blesses a day. He blesses the seventh day of rest. When you bless something, what you're essentially doing, think of this. If I looked and I said, God bless you, what am I telling you? I'm saying, may God bring goodness to you. May God bring goodness through you, right? May may God surround you in his blessing. There's this thing. So when God blesses the seventh day, this day of rest, he's infusing it with a kind of blessing. And you know what I take from that? I take this. If we wanna be people who bring a blessing to our lives, who are a blessing to the people that we care about most and the endeavors that matter to us most, we're gonna have to pause and find the blessing of rest for ourselves so that we have something to give away, because you can't run on an empty tank because you're a human being, you're not God. The second thing he does is it says he makes the day holy, which is to say he sets it apart, he makes it unique. He wants you to know that when you just get in the mindset of every day being work, 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 that there's one day, there's a moment that needs to be distinctly different in your life and it's for you. It's a day that you rest because we need this, not him. He didn't run out of gas or steam or energy. This is for us. And he models it from the very beginning of the scriptures as if to say, let this be an understanding of yourselves for life. This is how things are created. This is how it actually is. Do you see the importance here? Which makes it really rough, doesn't it? Because we're not good at rest. At least I'm not. And statistically, most of us aren't. So there's just this piece where from the very beginning, this is God's heart for us. And we're like, yeah, but no. (laughs) And we need to wrestle with this particular thing. And so as we go to continue to talk about this, I wanna point at what we've just looked at here in Genesis, what God establishes there. And I I wanna challenge us with two things here as we move forward this morning. And the first is this. Friends, because there are people in your life that matter to you, because you are living a life that matters, because there's good and beautiful endeavors, right, in your life that are yours, Give yourself permission to pause. I know many of you, as you hear that, you might find yourself going, the important word there is pause. No, the important word is permission. Because that's the piece that we actually struggle with. I know that sounds weird, but it is true. Give yourselves permission to pause. When God rests on the seventh day, he's essentially telling us from all of creation, the way he sets it up, you have full permission. In fact, it's set apart and there's blessing in it. You have full permission to pause. And that's difficult, isn't it? You know, every five years around here, pastors qualify for what's called a sabbatical, which is an extended time away. So four weeks, after five years of working here at Casas, as a pastor, you get to to be gone for four weeks of time, which is crazy. I know a lot of you are like, really? Yeah, that's true. Here's the reason for that. There's greater rates of burnout in the helping professions than there are in almost any other field. If you are a nurse, a teacher, uh, you name it, anything that is in the helping professions, you're probably nodding your head right now, and there's a lot of angry people you work with where you're like, yeah, they, they need a break, right? And it's just true. Average senior pastor duration in the United States right now, I think, is five years average youth pastor in the United States is 18 months. I want you to think about, yeah, 18 months. I know somebody was shocked by that. So I want you to think about this. What ends up happening there, how long are students in middle school? Three years. How long are students in high school? Four years. So the average high schooler could have three different high school youth pastors in their duration in a time where they need the most consistency, love, and commitment. Do you see this? This is a rough time. And so way back when, as a church, some people said, you know what? Let's set aside a sabbatical year for people to go, like, get replenished with great purpose and intention to step back in. And so what you're not allowed to do in these moments is simply stay home and watch Netflix. <laughs> you laugh because you're like, I bet you do, though, don't you? Right? You're not allowed to simply stay home and watch Netflix. And the reason why is before you take a sabbatical, you have to say, here is the thing I think God is is wanting me to work on. Here's the thing I've been praying through this, what I think God's wanting me to do here. And you submit that and you create a plan for how you want to go about doing that or what you're you're not going to do in order to, to help that. And you submit that and then you go and you engage in this process and it gets approved and you do this and then you get to take a sabbatical. That's the whole process. So in 2007, I started working here as a pastor, which means in 2012, I qualified to take a sabbatical. And I said, nope, because I just didn't understand how anybody could be gone that long. Like, why do you, how do you do that? Right? I'm sure some of you are thinking in your heads, I could never. You know, like, how would you, even, how would you even pull that piece off? And so I said, nope. And then 2013 rolled around, and I said, nope. And then 2014 rolled around, and my boss sat down with me. His name was Darren, and apparently he was observing some things in me that gave him pause to have a conversation with me. And we were sitting and talking, and he goes, Ryan, you're going to go take a sabbatical. And I looked at him, and I said, nope. And he said, actually, you're going to go take a sabbatical. And I said, no, I can't. And he said, can you please tell me why you can't? And I said, well, there's all these people that I've been meeting with and things and then there's these programs that I'm a part of that I've been doing and then there's these strategies that we're employing with some change and different stuff that that I'm a part of helping lead forward and then there's these these other problems and things that I'm solving. And I was basically just sitting there telling him how important I was. It's embarrassing to say that out loud but I was basically saying like, I'm so important I can't leave. That's more or less what I was articulating to Darren Hoffman on that day. He was the executive pastor of our church at that time. He was my boss. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, and that's precisely the reason that you're going to need to go take a sabbatical. And then he said, I am not asking you, I'm telling you, you're going to go take a sabbatical because those things are important and we need the best of you to step into those moments. And that's how I ended up taking my first sabbatical. And do you know what happens? You're going to laugh when I say this, maybe, or you're just going to think it's interesting. I don't know. I learned the world spins on just fine without me. I did. I learned I'm not that important. I learned that apparently God's bigger than me by far and that he's going to accomplish the things he wants through the people he has to accomplish them and he's going to do the things he wants to do. I learned a whole bunch. You know the stuff I tell you guys all the time? I got to learn it too. I learned all this. And it was amazing, I got to step away and suddenly realize, wow, the whole world continues to spin on and God does and uses people that I didn't even know would step in and to do amazing things. And when that moment happens, you feel free as a bird because when you don't have to, you get to and then you can step in and love people out of the best of who you are, not the obligation of what it is that you have to be. Do you see what I'm saying? This was huge for me, I learned the value of rest. Do you know why I struggled with it? Because I didn't know I had permission to take it. And, and I can look, and it's not, everyone else gave me permission. I wouldn't give it to myself. I say this to you all because I know, I've had so many conversations with so many of you. We struggle to give ourselves permission to rest. It, I, I know it sounds kind of interesting or weird, but we do. Some of us never give ourselves permission to rest. And I think that's probably for good reason for a lot of you. I think you come by it honestly. Maybe you were raised in a house where rest of any kind meant that you were lazy, and so you learned you just keep going and you never take a break. And you're exhausted, but you don't know how to stop it. You just keep going. It's how you grew up. It's what you know. You know, for others, and I experienced this one a lot, maybe you're a person that grew up in a household where things were really chaotic, and you learn that if you take a rest, you're letting your guard down, and that lets the chaos back into your life, and so you can never let your guard down, and you have to keep going, and you've gotta fight your way forward. And so you don't even know how to pause. You struggle in that. You wrestle with this idea of rest. Maybe there are people who depend on you, and you just don't want to let them down. You feel guilty about the idea of rest. It feels like you're not showing up and you don't know what to do with that. There's all of these things. Some of us are afraid that if we rest, somebody's just going to pass us by or something's going to happen or we'll lose our value because what we do is our value. And we need to wrestle with the fact that before we did anything, God created us with value. Do you see? That's been there all along. We've got to find our way back to some of these things. These are all valid tensions and fears and experiences. But the truth is, You aren't God. I'm not either. We're just good old human beings. (laughs) Which means at some point in time, we need to find our way to rest so that we can bring the best of who we are into the things that matter most in our lives. And God actually has this for us, created this for us, wants this for us, gives you full permission from the very beginning of the text. It's there. So the challenge I want to offer for some of you today is really simple. It's just... Give yourself permission to rest. And some of you are going to have to wrestle with that. And I know it's weird to use words like wrestle when we talk about rest, but it's true. Some of you are actually going to have to wrestle with that because even now you're like, that sounds really good, I'm not going to do it. That sounds really helpful, that thing that I'm not going to do, right? Give yourself permission to rest. I want you to actually wrestle with this because your life is too important not to and the people you care about are too important not to. Maybe for you it's going to look different. Maybe it's sitting on a couch someplace and just being by yourself, maybe that's what you need. Maybe for some of you it's going for a walk or going on a hike. Maybe it's an adventure that has nothing to do with the stresses you're normally engaged in or the things that wear you out. Maybe it is having a conversation with one of those friends who don't take energy from you, they fill your cup back up. I don't know what it is for you, but you do. You've lived life long enough to know a little bit about yourself. Give yourself permission Because you need it. It might be one of the most kind things you can do to the people around you. That's why Darren talked to me. I think he was actually being a little selfish in that moment where he's like, I don't wanna deal with this anymore. You need a break. And that was the most loving thing on the planet. I felt so loved by him. You know, this brings me to the other piece here. Maybe there's somebody in your life that needs you to give them permission now the truth is you honestly don't need this for yourself. You're welcome to give yourself permission for this at any point in time. But I'll be honest, I know what it's like to struggle with this and not be very good at it. And can I tell you what a blessing it was to have Darren step into my life and be like, Ryan, you have permission, now go. He helped, he gave me permission when I struggled to find it for myself and that helped me find my way. I bet you there's somebody in your life that struggles with this, they're not good at it. And they need you to actually step in and just say, hey, as somebody who cares about you, can I just know you have permission to rest? to take a break, to pause. And this is important. I wish more couples would do this. A lot of times couples will quietly just keep engaging. Even friends will just quietly keep engaging. And you're like, I can't take a break because I feel guilty about that with this other person. They're like, I can't take a break because I feel guilty about this with this other person. And then you bring out the worst of each other. And then you have hard moments where the worst of you shows up to the equation. And it's so hard, isn't it? We're one of the... The best things you could do for a marriage, a friendship, a relationship, is actually to be the person who looks at the other person and goes, you know what? I value so much. I want you to take a break sometimes, and I want you to know that's okay for me. There's a lot of kids. I'm in youth ministry a lot. There's a lot of kids who are spinning their wheels trying to impress everybody around them and meet everyone's expectations. Do you know the gift it can be to give to a kid when a parent or an authority figure looks at them and says, hey, can I just let you know that you have absolutely my permission to rest? And that you can give that to yourself because you need that in your life sometimes and I want that for you. If you are a boss of any kind in this room, if you have authority and influence over other individuals in the workplace and clubs and spaces that you occupy your time in, do you know how big of of a deal it is to be able to look at them and to say, look, we're gonna do important work and important things, but along the way, we each need to know what it is to pause and to find rest so that we can bring the best of ourselves to the endeavors that are in front of us. And you have my permission to do that and I wanna partner with you to figure it out that's a gift. That's transformative in the workplace, friends. It is. We each need to wrestle with this and find our way to it because our lives are too important not to and the things we're engaged in are too important not to. that brings me to the second thing here this morning and it's this. Experience the goodness of what you have done even when you aren't done. Experience the goodness of what you have done even when you aren't done. This will make more sense in just a moment. For some of us, the right way to find rest is to take a vacation where we get away from the work that was draining us, or we get away from the things that we're using our energy so that we can replenish. And I know for a fact that as I'm talking about this today, some of you are like, Ryan, I don't have any PTO. I can't do that. Right? Some of you are looking at me, I, I know this. Some of you are like, I don't have the money to actually just go do that right now. And a vacation that I would take with no money isn't actually a vacation. That would make me more tired. Like, thank you for the recipe that's not going to work for me right now. And I get it. And that's appropriate. Because most of our lives aren't supposed to be spent escaping from our lives. Most of our lives are spent in the endeavor that is our lives, Right? Most of our lives are spent in that moment. So how do we find rest in that moment? And there's something here in Genesis chapter 1 that God models that I think is an absolute gift for each of us as we go about engaging in our work. See, each time God creates something in Genesis chapter 1, he does something really special. He does something really unique. And I love that it's written in the text for us to see it. Because he knew this, but he gets to tell it to us in a way that we get to take it in. He separates the dark from the light in in chapter 1. And then in verse 4, he says, And God saw that the light was good. He separates the land from the water. And then in verse 10, it says, And God saw that it was good. He fills the land with vegetation in verse 12 and says this, And God saw that it was good. He fills the universe with the moon, the sun, the stars. And verse 18 says, And God saw that it was good. He keeps doing this again and again and again and again. God isn't done. Think about this. The checklist isn't checked off. He's still got more creation to do. We're not at day six yet. And yet we see this moment as he's in the midst of his doing where when he finishes one aspect of it, one box that he checks, he pauses and he beholds it and he looks and he goes, that's good. It's really good. And he takes it in. And he savors it for just a moment. We get to see this from him. And I think that is so incredibly important. God isn't done, but it doesn't stop him from enjoying what he has done. Do you see? A long time ago, when I was a teenager, my parents went on this like, trip to, to Europe. It was through my dad's work. And they were gone for three weeks. And You can't leave an adolescent and his younger sister home alone for three weeks and expect life to be okay. So my grandparents flew in from Iowa, that's where they were from, and they came to stay with me, which was special. I didn't get to see them all the time. We lived out in the middle of the Tucson Mountains in the desert before much stuff was built out there on like five acres of land. But really, I could walk in any direction and just call it hiking. Like I was just out in the middle of the desert completely. And this is where I lived. And so my grandpa comes. My grandma and grandpa, they come and they stay with us. And my grandpa gets there. My parents leave. And no sooner had they left than my grandpa begins to make a giant list of all the things he wants to do in the yard and around the house. Because apparently, he didn't come to sit on the couch and hang out. He came to do a ton of stuff and have me do a ton of stuff with him. So as a young adolescent, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to be mowing the lawn twice a week in Arizona. That feels really unnecessary. And we'd look outside. He was out raking the desert. And I'm not talking about our yard guys. He was out there like cleaning creosote. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, grandpa, why are you doing that? He's like, it makes it better. And I was like, I don't think anybody cares. And he goes, I care. So you're going to do this with me. And I was like, okay. So I spent a lot of time hiding from my grandpa right? I did. And on one particular day, I'm hiding inside because I know we still got the massive list and it is nowhere near being done. And I'm hiding inside and I look outside and he's at our gate. We have this gate into our yard. And my grandfather's just standing at the gate and he's opening the gate and he's closing the gate and he's opening the gate and he's closing the gate. And he has this weird smile on his face. And I thought, he's crazy. I did. I was like, he's crazy. I don't understand, but I was so curious. So I left my hiding place and I went outside. And I was like, hey, grandpa. And he's just still standing out there and he's looking right at me, opening and closing the gate with a big smile on his face. And I was like, what you doing? What's going on? And he goes, do you hear that? And I was like, oh man, this is crazy. I was like, I gotta be honest, I don't hear anything, grandpa. And he gets a huge smile and he goes, exactly. Because apparently we had this creaking gate. I never even knew the gate creaked. I never even knew there was a problem with the gate. I thought the gate was fine. But apparently we had this creaking gate and he went and WD-40'd it and like took it apart, and put it back together, whatever it was that he did. And that whole thing that I saw, that whole experience was him having finished that one moment There was just one little box on the giant checklist of all of his things. And he's just standing there as if he's like, ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's good. And I thought he was crazy. And now I kind of want to be like him. I do, because there's a part of me that recognizes he's just taking a moment, much like God in the creation of the, set of, of the world, just pausing, and he's like, I'm not done with it all yet, but I'm done with that, and that's good. I'm not done with all of it yet, but this thing, that, this is really good, and he's relishing in it, and he's enjoying it, even if for just a micro moment, even if when we all looked at him and thought he was absolutely nuts, it didn't matter. It was just good, and he caught it. And friends, I think too many of us are working too hard in too many moments to not pause and catch this. I think too many of us are too far away from the next vacation or the next thing that's in front of us, and we've got to actually pause in the endeavors that are our lives, whether it's our work, our families, our relationships, and on occasion lift our heads and go, you know that thing I just did? I'm not done with it all yet, but that one moment, that was good. It was good. When was the last time you left a meeting and was like, that was a good meeting? Some of you were like, I hate meetings. Yeah, but if you spend enough time in them, if you're going to occupy that much time, you better start celebrating the good ones. Better start lifting your head and looking around, otherwise it will become a drudgery for you. Right? Or I think of this with parenting. Parents make me laugh. I laugh at you guys all the time. I'm a parent too, so I guess I laugh at myself. You know what happens when you're a parent? You're like, you know what? When they're out of diapers. When I get through this moment, when they're out of diapers, it's gonna be so much better because I don't have to be doing that all the time. And then you go, you know, when I don't have to haul a car seat around and I don't have to strap them in and all these things, that's gonna be so much better. And then you say, you know what, when they're self sustainable and I like, can walk around and do stuff, that's gonna be so much better. And I can't wait till we just get through this. So you know what, when we can have real conversations and I'm not trying to sort out fits and behavior and things, that's gonna be so much better. And you know what, when they get to where they're not an angry adolescent anymore, that's gonna be so much better. And you know what, when they become self sustaining financially, that's gonna be so much better. And you go, You know, when they're 30 and parents just do this thing where we're always like, one day it's going to get better. One day this is going to be easier. One day this moment's going to happen. And sometimes we miss the good that's right there, don't we? I have this moment in my head. It just burned in there for my daughter when she was two. She's standing out in the backyard in the landscape rock doing nothing. And I was standing against the sliding glass door as my oldest daughter and she just keeps reaching down and picking up different landscape rocks and she keeps turning them around and then putting it down and picking up another one. She was two years old. I have no idea what she was doing. But I stood by the sliding glass door and I looked at her and I found myself just thinking, man, is she good. Like, man, did God know what he was doing with her. Man, am I lucky to just be a part of all the chaos that is being a toddler's dad. And then like five minutes later, I was like, what? But that moment was great. (laughs) Right? Right? Life, we work too hard at these things. If you're a student and you're like, man, when I finally get out of elementary school and I'm finally in junior high and I've got some freedom, and we do the same thing, right? You've got to pause and recognize you aren't where you once were. That means you learned some things. That means you have grown a little bit. See the good in what it is that you've just done because you're working too hard not to take that piece in. Let it breathe rest into your soul. You do not have to escape your work to find a little bit of rest in it. You just got to give it to yourself. And God models this beautiful way for us to do this from the very beginning. It's for me and it's for you. It's for us all, for all people, all time, friends. This is for each of us. When was the last time you stood in the midst of a project and you said, that was really good? When was the last time in the midst of wherever it is you spend your time and energy in your life, you lifted your head up and you said, hey, right now, I know I'm in it, I'm in the thick of it, but that moment, that was really good. And you didn't just go, I need to acknowledge this as a discipline because I need to grow, no, I'm not doing that. You savored it. You let it actually be good for you. When was the last time you did that? I want to challenge you to do that this week. I want to challenge you to do that today. Do it at lunch. Do it in the car. Do it wherever you go. Let build this into your life. I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but I know it's important, friends. Practice this in your everyday life. Whole point of this, practice pausing to experience the good thing you're doing as actually good and let this breathe rest into your work, into your life, into your relationships, into your endeavor. Right? And then also, my heart for each of us is that we would give ourselves permission to pause so that we can bring blessing to our lives because the people that we love in it and the endeavors that we are engaged in are too important to bring the worst of us to. The best of you is right there waiting to happen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you model what it is to rest. I'm not good at it. I, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people in this room that, that struggle with that too, that aren't good at it. Um, But Lord, thank you for giving us permission. Thank you for showing us a path. And so God, open our eyes, open our hearts to the moments in our lives where we have the opportunity to rest. Help us to see the good, Lord. Help us to see you, actually, in the midst of our lives and the good things you're doing through us and in us and around us. Help us to see the good and the endeavors we're accomplishing, even if we haven't finished yet. And God, I just pray if there's anybody in here who's struggling with permission to pause, that... They would just feel the freedom in you, the grace in you to do it, Lord. They would know their love. They would know they have that in you right here and right now. And open our eyes to the people who might need our permission in our lives. That might be a great way to love them forward, Lord. We trust this whole thing to you. And I ask for each and every person in here, bring us a little rest, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, before you go, it's really good to have you. Uh, If you are a guest this morning, I'm gonna be right over here after the service and I just love to shake your hand and say, hey, thanks for coming. It means a lot that you made the endeavor to even be here today. And for all of you, I hope you have a great week. We'll see you soon.